exciting time to be in the house of the Lord today, isn't it? He is worthy. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's an exciting time. In this, in this church, it's exciting every Lord's Day. Particularly today, as we celebrate in a special way the resurrection of our Lord. I want to speak to you today about resurrection realities. And I'll talk about helping us see the resurrection of Jesus through the eyes of his disciples. What it was like for them in that time of great sorrow and sadness and then of great joy and elation. All the emotions they felt in that passing of time as all of this came together to bring us the message of Jesus that we rejoice in today. These disciples of Jesus were ordinary men. They weren't great scholars. They weren't great intellects. They weren't political leaders. They weren't great commercial men. They were just ordinary men. They were fishermen. They were tax collectors. They were those who were looking for a place in society and a place in the world of their day. And Jesus sought to bring that to them. But when Jesus died, these disillusioned, disappointed, despairing, and disheartened followers of Jesus thought they had lost it all. He had told them throughout the three years of their conversations, teaching, and ministry together that he was going to suffer and die and then rise again. Numerous times throughout that period of time, he made it clear to them what he was going to face and what was going to happen and what they would all have to deal with. They believed him, but they didn't understand him. They could not quite absorb, even conceive of that message of suffering and pain and agony and defeat. They saw him as a king. The Jews saw the Messiah as a king who would reign on the throne of David. And all of these men confessed that he was Messiah. So when they heard these other things, they didn't quite grasp it. They couldn't understand it. And when it became a reality, it just shocked them to the very roots of their possibly having faith. Matthew tells us of the time that Jesus told them of his suffering and his death. And Peter actually took him and shook him and rebuked him and said, Far be it from you, Master. This is not going to happen to you. We won't allow it to happen to you. And Jesus rebuked him and said, You're not speaking the things of God. You're speaking the things of Satan. Because Jesus knew what he had to face. He knew what he had to do. He knew what was going to be the end of his life. He also knew that Father God, by the Holy Spirit, was going to bring him back to life again. So, so these men faced a, a horrible experience 
when Jesus died because they didn't understand that that was going to happen. Their whole world fell apart. Remember, just a few days before he died on the cross, they had seen him riding into Jerusalem, fulfilling the prophecies, riding on a donkey, coming into pathway, leading into Jerusalem with all the people standing around, praising him and crying out, Hosanna to the Lord, blessed be the son of David. The son of David was going to be the king of Israel. They expected him to shortly be placed on a throne. They were looking for a coronation. Instead, they had a crucifixion. So these men lost all hope, as you and I would have done. All of their hopes came to nothing. Their plans and expectations fell apart. There was nothing left to hold on to because Jesus of Nazareth was dead. And they knew he was dead. He had been arrested, illegally tried, and then crucified. They put him on that cruel cross, and he hung there for hours, dying, dying the death of sacrifice for us. But they didn't know that at that time. They just knew he was dying, and we were, they were losing him. What they knew was, what they knew was, he had been put on a cross and nailed to that cross. So they knew he died on the cross. They knew without a doubt whatsoever that he was dead because they took him down for that cross and put his body in a tomb. So one thing all of those disciples knew, all the things Jesus had taught them they were uncertain about, all the things they had heard him say were now confusing to them. But one thing they did know for certain For absolute certainty, Jesus of Nazareth was dead. His body was in a tomb. And when they walked away that day, wherever they were standing when the crucifixion took place, most of them were not seeing it, but they knew certainly that it happened. When they walked away that day, they walked in the deepest brokenness and sorrow and despair of their lives. Nothing had ever hit them like this before. These men who had put all their hopes in this one person, this one one they knew was the Messiah, now said everything that we heard was wrong, everything that we knew has fallen apart, all that we thought has come to nothing, and there's nothing left for us because Jesus is dead. From a king to a cross, their shock and sorrow were unlimited. It was a sad Saturday. Jesus died on Friday evening. They put him in the tomb as early as they could so they could be in time for the Sabbath. That Saturday that came after the crucifixion was a sad Sabbath for all of those who had believed on him. It was a sorrowful Saturday that they sat in their grief and they knew not what to expect next. And then the Sabbath passed, and Sunday morning came. They were still in their grief and unbelief and sorrow, but the word began to be spread around. They began to hear, Jesus is risen from the dead. Mary Magdalene went and saw him. She's told us that 
she saw him there outside the tomb. Other women were with her, and they're telling this same thing. But who believes that? The one thing they knew was he was dead. What if you were in that place? What if I were in that place? And we'd had the service and buried him in the tomb or in the grave. And then three days, on the third day after that, people started telling us he's come from the grave. He's risen from the dead. They didn't believe it. Why would they believe it? To them, in the beginning, it was just old wives' tales. It was just gossip being spread around, hopeful things being said. The Bible makes this very clear. You need to read the story of the resurrection in every one, all four of the gospel accounts to get the full picture of it. And what you see there is that even when Jesus had risen from the dead, and they were just hearing it in little words here and there, they didn't believe it. Two disciples were on the road to Emmaus. Jesus appeared to them, made himself known to them as soon as they knew that. And as soon as he had left, they got up and they came back to Jerusalem as quickly as they could, found the disciples who had gathered together and said, we've seen him, we've been with him, he's alive, he's risen from the dead. But they didn't believe it. They didn't believe it. Why? Because they knew for a certainty that he was dead. That's what they knew. He was dead. That they knew. The other things they were just hearing about. Nothing to it. But the word kept spreading around. And then Peter came in and said, He's appeared to me. I have seen him personally. Well, Peter, you know, in your great delusion, in your great sorrow, we're all sorrowful. We're all sad. We're all broken. And, 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 and probably you just imagined that. In your great hope of something you imagined. They had difficulty believing the word that came back to them. Now, why am I telling you all this? I'm telling you this because I could go through the scriptures and tell you over and over and over what the Bible says about Jesus rising from the dead. Paul spoke about it constantly. But here's what I want you to know. You would have to believe those things. These men were men and women just like you and I are. They were broken. They were lost. They were disconsolate. They were in despair because they knew Jesus was dead. Now, what I want you to know is, for these people to be convinced that Jesus had risen from the dead, it had to be absolute. It had to be guaranteed. It had to be without a doubt, without even a scintilla or a shadow of a doubt. It had to be proof to them that he had risen from the dead. They were not going to believe anything except positive proof. Mary Magdalene, so she believed. The women who were there believed. The two disciples on the road to Emmaus believed. But the eleven did not believe except for Peter, who had seen him, and the rest of them were not sure they believed him. They may not have totally denied it to his face, but they were questioning it. Read what the Scripture says about them. They were in doubt, and on the Sunday evening, first Sunday night service held, On the Sunday evening, they came together. They they spread the word, we've got together. And do you know what they did when they came into that room? They locked the doors. They made sure every door was locked so nobody else could get in. There were a few others there besides the 11. Just a few people. But the 11 were there. Thomas was the only one of them absent. 
And in that locked room, in that sealed room, the Bible says they did it for fear of those who had crucified Jesus. They were afraid that the ones who killed him wanted to kill out his whole following. They were next in line to be killed, so they were hiding. They were in this room with the doors locked. They were sitting there talking to each other. What will we do next? Well, Peter says one thing, but he's the only one. Yeah, the women said something, but I don't want to say anything disparaging here now, but, you know, a lot of gossip goes on. And that's what they thought this was. Not just because it was women, I'm going to assure you of that. But that's what was, that's what was going on. They thought it was just tales, well, tales being told. In their excitement, they wanted something to happen and thought they saw it. They didn't believe. And it's very clear in the Scriptures. These men did not believe. Just like some of you sitting right here. When you hear the resurrection of Jesus, you haven't thought much about it. You, you, you're thinking you're here because it's Easter. We keep saying it's Resurrection Day. You think it's Easter. You think you just, you just came for an event. You're not really sure Jesus rose from the dead. And yet, have you ever really seriously thought about it? I mean, Literally. Physically, Jesus died and then rose from the grave, walked out of the tomb, alive again and alive forevermore. And we know it, but these followers of Jesus in those first days did not know it. And they had difficulty being convinced. They were not going to be convinced by just some word being spread around, just by some talk going around. It was going to take proof for them to know that Jesus Christ was alive again. If I were there with them, I'm not blaming them, because if I were with them, sitting right there, I'd have been just like they were, and you would have too. I'd have been saying, hey, yeah, 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 tell me he rose from the dead. Father died, he didn't ever rise up. Had a good friend die, he never rose up. I had a really good man I knew that taught me a lot of things. He died, he didn't get up again. But then as they were sitting there, With the doors locked, suddenly there appeared in their presence Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And they saw him. And you know, their first reaction was they were afraid. What, 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 what can this be? A spirit, a ghost has come to deceive us. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. It is I. Yes, it really is. I've come forth from the grave and I'm alive. And if you have real questions about it, look at my hands. Look at my side. See the scars from the thorn crown. Look at the wounds and see the scars that testify that I died and see now that I'm alive, I've come back from the grave. And those men, when they saw the reality, when they saw the truth of it, they rose up as one and they said, Jesus, our Lord, Jesus, our Messiah, Jesus, our Savior. And they shared with each other, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. Glory to God. What an exciting time that was. 
the first gathering of the saints of God on the first day of the week. And Jesus appeared to them and dispelled all of their doubts and proved beyond any possible question that he had risen from the dead. And that's the proof the world needs today. To see that proof in you and me and know when we show that in our lives for the glory of God that Jesus Christ is alive, alive in us to testify to the world. I believe, my friends, that this is a solid, solid thing. That the, the, what I'm emphasizing to you so much today is that these men knew he was dead. And if you want to be sure he's alive, look at the scriptures. Not just because Paul said again and again he'd risen from the dead in the epistles, but look at the Gospels. And you see there, these men who had given it up now took again once more and went forth to conquer the world in Jesus' name because of the power of the risen Christ. They knew he was alive. This man who was dead was now alive. It took a lot to convince them, but now they knew because they saw him for themselves. And that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to see him for yourself. So, it was a wonderful time. A wonderful time when that, when that, when that happened. When they, saw, when they saw Jesus and knew, knew for certain that now he was alive. This is what Paul wrote. He wrote to the Corinthians in his first letter to them in the 15th chapter. I'm going to read it to you. This is, this is uh, several verses. And I want, you to, I want you to hear what Jesus did. The Bible says he showed himself alive by many infallible proofs in the 40 days from the time of his resurrection to his ascension. So there are many, many, many people who saw him, who went out to testify personally, I have seen the risen Christ. This is what Paul wrote about that. 1 Corinthians 15, chapter, chapter 15, verse 3 through 8. For I delivered to you as a first important, the most important thing, I delivered to you when I preached the scriptures was that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, or Peter, and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive in the time that Paul wrote this, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all of the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me. Paul's talking about that time when on the Damascus road, he was the last of the men called as apostles to see the Lord Jesus Christ in his perfect presence. He was knocked off his animal on the ground. No one else in that party saw Jesus, nor heard understood what the sound was they were hearing. But Paul, Saul of Tarsus, saw Jesus and heard it all. So he was seeing Jesus and saying, he was saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Saul said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you crucified, whom you have persecuted. And then he was so convinced, this man who had persecuted the church, this man who hated everything about Jesus of Nazareth, this man who tried to get all of his followers thrown in jail, in prison, even killed. He hated everything about Jesus Christ and everybody who believed in him and everyone who was following him, and he wanted to stamp it out. He wanted to bring it to an end. He wanted to stop it all right then and there in those first early days. His goal was to kill 
the Christian church, the Christian believers, just like Jesus had been killed. Because he believed he was still dead. And then that day on the Damascus Road, everything changed for him. This hater of Jesus Christ became a lover of the Savior. Convinced, convinced, where he was so opposite, now totally changed into a believer. How could that happen? Because he literally saw the living Christ of glory, and he felt his presence. And when he spoke to him and said, I'll tell you what to do. Go to Damascus. Gave him the things that he was supposed to do. And Paul did everything the Lord told him to do. And from that point on, his whole life was changed. He was a totally different person. That's why he later on wrote to the same Corinthian church. If anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. If anybody knew that, Paul did. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, all things have passed away, and all things, new things have come. All things have passed away, and now all new things have come. It was an old life given to death in the, in the tomb, and the new life brought up in the resurrection of Jesus Christ that totally changed the Apostle Paul. All of the disciples, the Apostle, all these people who saw him, it isn't just the word of a few men who wrote the Bible. It's the word of those who saw him and believed it and spread that word in those early days. And men were convinced by because they could frequently talk to someone who had actually seen the risen Lord. That's the word that we need to know today. We need to know today for an absolute certainty that he actually truly has risen from the dead. And when we do that, we're going to make a change in this world, my friends. We'll make a change in this world. So the best way, the, the way for people to be convinced was they saw they saw, and the reason they believed, the reason they doubted, was so that you and I would never have to doubt. We would not have to question. We could let all of our uncertainties be placed in that tomb where he had left. And our newness of life walking with Jesus Christ in our lives change us to witness to the world that Jesus Christ is alive. Hallelujah. So today, today, you and I know that he is alive. He came up from the grave. He arose from the tomb. And he came out to declare to all of us that he is alive today. I, I, I say to you, I have never seen Jesus. I've never literally seen him. I've had people tell me that they did. If I'd had some of the experiences that I've had some people tell me they've had, I think I'd be, I'd be conquering the world today. I've had people tell me they saw Jesus standing 10 feet tall at the end of their bed. And, and I don't, I'm not saying they didn't. And I've never, I've never felt like I had to see that. The reason I've never felt like I've had, I never had to see him is because I know a lot of people who did see him. I know a lot of honorable, honest people who saw him, who didn't believe, who gave up and said there's nothing to all of this. We're not going any further. They were stopped until Jesus came to them. They saw him. And then, and then, one more time, when these disciples were together, they came again in another inner room. Again, they locked the door. They still didn't know what was going to happen on the outside. They just knew what happened on the inside now. And this time, Thomas, who had said to them when they came to tell him, that Jesus was alive, they had seen him, he had risen from the dead, and Thomas said, I will not believe. 
I do not believe it, I will not believe it. Unless I put my finger in the hole in his hands and put my hand in his side, I will never believe. I know he died. A cruel death, his body torn apart. How could this be true? You have got a, had a hallucination. You're misguided and saying, I don't believe it. But he did come to the next meeting. So he was sitting there with all those who had already seen Jesus at least one time. And now he's there with them. He's the only doubting unbeliever left in that little small crowd of disciples. And while they're sitting there talking and the others are telling him, well, we did see him. Yes, we did. It's real. It's true. And Thomas keeps saying, no, 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 I don't believe it. As they're sitting there talking about it, suddenly they looked up and there was someone standing in the room with them, another presence. That was Jesus again. He had come to make himself known to them one more time. And this time he said to Thomas, Thomas, come here. Put your finger in. He knew what he had said. Put your finger in the hole in my hand. Put your hand in my ribbon side. And do not be faithless, but believe. And Thomas fell down. One more doubter. One more unbeliever. One more who could not possibly conceive that this man torn apart on the cross had now risen from the dead in a whole new body. It was not possible, according to Thomas. But now, now, Jesus stood before him. Look at my hands. Touch them. Look at my side. Put your hand in it. See that I am the Christ who died on the cross. And Thomas, the Bible says, fell on his knees before the Lord and cried out, Not my dead Savior. I'm so sorry you died. Not that, not that. No, 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 that was over. Now he said, my Lord and my God, the risen Savior, not just the same Jesus who died, but now, my Lord and my God, alive forever. I want to live with you and live forever, my Lord and my God. So, they doubted so that we would not have to doubt. They saw the truth so that we could know it. This is what the Bible says. I want to say this part very clearly to you now. The Apostle Paul, that same one who met Jesus on the Damascus Road, saw him, believed him, that he had risen from the dead. And that one occasion, that one experience, he believed he had risen from the dead. That same Paul said to all of us and any who Accept his word. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe that God has raised him from the dead. Believe that God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved. That's what his word says. That's what his word says. So if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, all of Jesus, Confess with your mouth. Say, knowing it's true, believing in your heart, he was born of a virgin. He had to be to make the sacrifice of the Lamb of God on the altar of the cross. So he gave up his life on the cross as the Lamb of God. Confessing Jesus embraces that. You believe that he is a, is a coming king. He'll come again as he, as he said he would. All you believe what the Bible says about Jesus, and so you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. And believe in your heart, in the depth of your being, believe 
God raised him from the dead. And you don't have to worry about your past anymore. You don't have to worry about your sins anymore. You don't have to worry about despair and hell anymore. You don't have to worry about death anymore. Because now you are saved, graciously, gloriously, wonderfully saved for the glory of God. If you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's God's word. That's God's word. And that's the truth of God's word. So I want you to know that we celebrate, we celebrate this newness of life that he's given to us. There's an old song that we sang long ago. Up from the grave he arose. And we sang it knowing that there was a power of God in it. I think, if I'm not mistaken, this came from, first came from an old Methodist hymnal. And we, 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 we have rejoiced in it. I've heard it ever since I've been a Christian. I almost said all my life, but I haven't heard all my life because I wasn't saved all my life. I never heard anything like this until I got saved. But after I did, I, early on I heard this, and it always touched my heart and made an impact. Low in the grave he lay, Jesus, my Savior, waiting the coming day, Jesus, my Lord. Vainly they watch his bed, Jesus, my Savior. Vainly they seal the dead, Jesus, my Lord. Death cannot keep its prey, Jesus, my Savior. He tore the bars away, Jesus, my Lord. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph for his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose, Christ arose, and he lives forever today.